Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome back. This has been a long, long-awaited podcast. Um, I know I've been gone for a while, but I'll explain that in full circle. So I've been wanting to do this podcast for a while, and this one is about Lincoln Riley's offense and his expectations and what we're going to expect out of Lincoln Riley. So originally I wanted to do it with Dart, and then we get the news that Dart enters the portal. And then we also get the news that Die is transferring in as a grad transfer to USC. And then more portal news, we get news that uh, Williams, the receiver, is transferring in the portal to USC following Lincoln Riley. And then yesterday, yesterday we get even more news that just blew everybody's name, everybody's mind. As you can see in uh, Phil's background, I'm going to introduce Phil here in a minute. Caleb Williams transfers to USC. So with all that going around full circle, we're finally here. We can talk about Lincoln Riley's offense and what to expect and what we can really expect now that he has a quarterback that already knows his system uh, who will get a spring with him, which is great. Before we go on to that, I have I want to introduce a couple people. I have Phil Robertson here. Phil Robertson is, is going to be a part of the show. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit, Phil. How you guys doing? My name is Phil. I'm a longtime fan of SC. Love, love the tradition, love the winning, love just the the factory for football that it's been for pretty much my whole life as a football fan. Um, till this till this day, the 06 Rose Bowl is the greatest college football game I've ever seen. <laughs> And it's still a travesty that Reggie hasn't got his Heisman back yet. Yeah, that 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 does suck. NCAA, we, that's another day. We'll say that for another day. Uh, and we have a we <laughs> we actually have another host, a uh, good friend of mine. I actually coached with him at Texas A&M Kingsville. Very very talented young mind. The uh, the name that the, you'll hear this name in the future for sure on somebody's sideline. Um, my boy, I call him G Dub Gary Luke. Luke Walters. Well, what are we going by today? Which one are we doing today? Whatever you yeah, you're running the show. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so you might get all three. You might be G dub, Gary Luke, you might be Luke, whatever it is. But this is a we're gonna talk about Lincoln Riley's uh offense. Just just give him a little background and then we'll get into we'll hop into this thing. Sure. Give him more we'll of a background. No, nah, let's or give him more offense. of a background of uh, how deep you are into his offense and what made you interested in his offense and those types of things right. and how you study it. Well, uh, I think let's just start, if we want to intro it, let's start by just looking at a few stats that I think are, and I, I you know, we won't get too deep into stats, but uh, basically since Lincoln Riley's been either the offense coordinator or head coach at Oklahoma, uh, very brief stats, 25th, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, Four years in a row, he had a top five offense in Oklahoma in terms of yards per game, points per game, whatever stat line you want to put together, Oklahoma was right at the top. And then the outliers were 2015 and 2020, which were both top five, top 15 offenses. So clearly over the last really seven to eight years at Oklahoma, put together really spectacular offenses that are explosive, that make use of their best players and do a really nice blending. Uh, certain offensive aspects together. So to understand Lincoln's offense, I think you start by understanding uh, kind of where he came from, you know, and I guess from there, 
uh, we can jump into the, I guess from there we can jump into the history. The history and the intro kind of go hand in hand. But, excuse me, where Lincoln started is he, he and he kind of got his, his football roots or his feet wet, is, is he was a walk-on quarterback at Texas Tech. And he played there under a guy by the name, I'm sure a lot of us have heard of Mike Leach. And Mike Leach ran the air raid there. So how Mummy and Mike Leach are guys kind of considered the founders of the offense, which is based on a small number of passing concepts that really spread the field and throw the ball on more down the ball, uh, traditionally. And from that staff alone, you know, you have a number of guys that end up end up going on to bigger jobs. You have Cliff Kingsbury was a quarterback there, Lincoln Riley, Dan Holgerson, now the head coach at University of Houston, longtime head coach of West Virginia, and Sonny Dykes, to name a few. And you could keep going and going and going. Um, obviously, the system itself, which was created by Mummy and then kind of changed by Leach, revolves around basically four wide receivers, a, a core number of passing game concepts, and a reliance on evenly spreading the ball throughout the field. Like Leach talks about how he really wanted to have from his running back to all four of his receivers get five to six catches evenly distributed the game. Uh, there's a number of things, though, as Lincoln Riley went along after leaving Texas Tech, he goes on, and his first job as a coordinator at a very young age was at East Carolina. And, and there you kind of see the beginning of the change, but he ran a lot of traditional air raid stuff, you know, wide cross, wide shallow. They ran a ton of inside zone. And, and, and from there you kind of see him get his first chance and crack it at calling an offense. Um, but, but really more than that, like the air raid itself is based on a lot more of how you practice the reps, the number of reps you get, the limited number of plays running, not only in different formations, but getting really good at a small number of plays and placing a lot on the quarterback. Now what Lincoln Riley's done and where it's changed is Lincoln Riley has kind of tweaked and souped up the run game version of the air raid, you know, Leach and all them are still known for throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game or whatever. But Lincoln Riley really understood to be successful and be as explosive as you possibly have to be, you have to be able to run the football. And you have to be able to pair it with different formations and different personnel. Really, the only guy still running the air raid is Leach. Everyone else has changed to some degree or another. And that's kind of where you get Lincoln Riley. So a little bit of history of where he came from. Obviously, after he was at East, East Carolina, as the offense coordinator, he goes to Oklahoma and is the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma under Baker Mayfield. And then ends up becoming succeeding Bob Stoops after, I, I believe it was one year, become the head coach there at a, at a very young age. And then obviously have the success he has. You know, we can run through it. Two Heisman quarterbacks, two number one draft picks, three current NFL starters, and Caleb Williams, who produced an all freshman season in the Big 12. So naturally, naturally a lot of, a lot of good stuff. And, uh, if you want, we can kind of jump into to, to looking at what is the base of his offense, right? Well, hold on, hold on. I was going, I was going to get to the point of uh, so, and you kind of touched on that. So Lincoln Riley, <clears throat> kind of, he's kind of whatever he touches turns into gold, right? So like, like you mentioned, he had two Heisman Trophy winners, uh, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Um, Caleb Williams just an outstanding season, even though Caleb Williams, I believe, started after the third game, right? Third or, third or fourth game, right? And still put up great numbers. Um, so he is one of those guys that you call, I guess, the quarterback whisperer as an offensive guru type thing. Like he always puts 
the guy in the best position possible to make his team. To he always puts the let me rephrase that. He puts his quarterback in the best position possible to put his team in the best position possible. If that makes sense, um, I know I, you've seen that a lot from Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Um, hopefully, we can see it here because now he has his quarterback. And like I said earlier, when you got a guy who transitions and goes from one offense into another with just a spring and a fall, they kind of struggle a little bit. They come back around the next year compared to now we're going to have Caleb Williams, who's who's been in the system and is going to get another spring, probably his first spring, I will say, because I don't know if he was a, a early graduate. He's going to get another spring in another fall camp with Lincoln Riley. You know what I mean? And a system where in a pretty much in a state where you don't have to worry about weather. So you not you get plenty of reps and can make it through the whole camp and not have to worry about thunder and lightning, even though those programs probably had domes. But the adversity is less, I guess you could say. So with that being said, like uh, we could get into like – so you said you want to start going into the base, run, pass game, those types of things. Uh, Phil, you got anything for them? Um, no, because actually I was getting ready to roll into the the, con- the concepts as well. That's what I was curious in. Um, you had mentioned something about the, the turnover, and I caught your last show about the, that, that particular turnover and going from player to player. With bringing in bringing in his number one receiver from from OU as well as his quarterback, how much further does that set USC ahead in its acclimation to the offense? Well, I think number one, like part of the system that started that started with Leach, but Lincoln's done a good job of adapting and taking that part is it's partially designed to be very plug and play friendly for quarterbacks. Like there's a limited number of concepts they have. And most of the reads are what's considered pure progression reads, which means it's bet designed to beat any coverage. They're going to read number one to number two to number three to number four. And the more reps you get at it and the more timing you develop with your receivers, the better you're going to be. So I think what sets them ahead is not only having to even worry about the install part of it, like he already is very familiar with that, but he's already gotten 10 times more of the reps than any of the other quarterbacks are going to have that go in there. So that helps set him apart. And then obviously having timing with the number with, with your best receiver coming in is huge too. Like especially Caleb Williams is still a young quarterback. So being able to have someone that in critical situations, when you know a guy's matched up one-on-one or, you know, you have to get a first down being able to have someone that you know, where he's going to be, you trust and you already have some of that timing developed with them, I think is huge too. And, and then again, you're not having to worry about teaching term. You can get in, you can jump right in more with him into into more of the details and nuances about the position, which is where Lincoln excels too. All right, so so let, let's, let's just get straight to it, right? First play of the game, first, let's, first play of the game in September. What, I mean, I know there's a lot of game plan that goes into it. But what will be his base? Like, what is his, what is he going to game plan around? What is he going to try to accomplish? Run and pass game wise. Well, from what I've gathered and when I watch Oklahoma, I think obviously it start. When I've watched Lincoln, Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley, I think it really starts with counter. I don't think you can talk about Oklahoma's offense without talking about counter. And they found as many different ways to run counter as possible. So just to break it down for anyone who doesn't know what counter is, counter is going to include however many offensive linemen you have on the play side, it's considered a gap scheme because they're all blocking down on a gap. Okay. And they're all blocking down and then you're pulling guys 
that are going to block play side. So to give you an example, normally if the way they'd run it, they'd have their three offensive line mode all blocked down, and then you're going to pull the guard, and the guard's going to kick the end man on the line of scrimmage. They're not going to block that guy. And then they'll have a second guy, whether it would be a tackle or another fullback in the backfield, who would wrap and block the play side linebacker. So in essence, as simple as it can be, they're washing everybody down and they're kicking and wrapping the two guys on the play side. And that's really when I when you go back and watch and you can find on YouTube or wherever you want if you wanted to go look. There's just a number of, of just Lincoln Riley cutups to counter and how good they are at doing it. You know, and they run it out of basically every set that they have. They run it out of every personnel grouping they have and they can block it a few different ways. I think the way that they were really good at running at Oklahoma is they ran what's known as GT counter. And GT counter just means the guard's going to pull, and he's going to be known as the kick guy. So he's going to try and kick the end man on the line, and then the tackle's going to wrap. And normally the play's going to hit inside. Now, what you'll see, too, and what Oklahoma's really good at is if you have a good defensive end, as Roe would tell you, Sometimes they'll want to spill that, which means that they don't want counter to hit tackle to tackle, which means that the end's going to try and stunt inside or, or go inside and, 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 and crash hard inside of the, whenever he sees the tackle down block. And then the guard has to do what's called a log block, which means instead of kicking him out, he's now going to turn and seal him inside, and the tackle will work to wrap to the first thing outside, and the play bounces. And those are where you get some of the more explosive plays you see in their offense. Um, I, they also run a lot of G, what's known as GY or GH counter, where now it's just a fullback or a Y on the backside who's blocking. And then the tackle on the backside would end up locking up on the defensive end. So but, very similar, very similar to what if, if, if you guys watch a lot of the playoffs, it's, it's not the exact same thing. But if you guys watch the 49ers, what Trent William was in that position when he was in the off position, and he came across without the motion. So they'll come across and they'll bring another puller through and they'll run counter that way. Just an right. example for people to who to sure. visualize in their head. Sure. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just agreeing. I've been sitting here writing down, taking my notes. <laughs> well, and so counters are top one, I think, run game-wise. Um, obviously, just like any spread system, they're going to have their fair share of inside zone. You know, and – Inside zone is just basically, again, the linemen aren't necessarily blocking a certain man. They're blocking a gap or a zone over. And a lot of times you're going to get a double team by the play side tackle and the play side guard and a double team by the center and the backside guard. And then usually you're going to do one of two things with the backside tackle. Either he's going to lock the end, and normally that's paired with some type of RPO, or he'll work up. To the place to the backside linebacker, and they'll read the end on the backside, which they've done a number of things with that. I'll talk more in evolution. I'm just talking base. Then another play that Oklahoma is going to run in the run game is gut, and you can call it gut. You can call it power. Version of power is really what it is. Or as as Ro knows, we have a, a a esteemed friend who calls it dag or dart g. Yeah, really, all it is is on the backside, they're going to lock the end with the backside tackle. And then they're going to double team the defensive tackle on the play side with the play side guard in the center. They're going to base out or block the five technique or the defensive end, and they're going to pull their backside guard. And it's going to look to hit inside. 
And that's another thing that Oklahoma runs a lot of RPOs off. And then naturally they're going to run some version of stretch or outside zone, which means they're just trying to wall down and pin. They don't really run outside zone as much. I see of doing like you see in the NFL playoffs of the wide zone where there's a lot of cutbacks. When they try and run it, they're going to try and get outside more often than not. And, and base run game, those are really the things that I see that Oklahoma does really well. So to counter Dick, so that, that, that's a good point that you made, Luke, because so a lot of people when Riley first got hired was a big 12 football. They threw us, throw the ball, this and that, all that nonsense, right? But, like, <clears throat> if you really dig deep into his playbook and understand what he does, he wants to run the ball. So when, so when, so when he plays against teams – i.e. Oregon State, Utah, Stanford, um, on good years with Washington that has those big aggressive defensive lines, he's going to try to hit them in the mouth. It's not just going to be let's just get the ball out fast and throw it. He's going to try to establish a run game up front, which is the reason why Die, I believe Die is a good pickup out of the portal, right? Because he hits the hole. He's he's one cut and go, right? It's not necessarily looking for the big run, but – um, and correct me if I'm wrong, running counter, things like that is let's get six so we can get in second and manageable. If we get five, we're still in second and manageable and we could do our next thing. So by Dye being that one cut and go guy, he's not afraid to get in between the guards. That's a big pickup for SC because it goes well into the counter game. Right. And 100 percent, bro. Like one thing, one misconception, which there's been about a few offenses over the years, like take when Art Bras was at Baylor. You know, everyone always associates with the big passing game, but their number one thing that generated everything else was the run game because then it allowed them to have tempo because the only way you run tempo effectively is when you're moving the ball. So when you throw three straight incompletions, that doesn't get you into second and manageable. That doesn't get you into lining up and running faster, you know, and same thing with Lincoln Riley. Like to me, the base thing in his offense is his run game. Like, they have to run the ball to be successful. And the times when they haven't been successful, the very few times, obviously, in Oklahoma, were when people were able to shut down and defend their run game. And and we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But, yeah, and then the thing that go back to his base run game, like, obviously, I think Lincoln Riley looked at the system that he'd been a part of and realized, if I want to really be successful, we have to be able to run the ball. We have to be able to do it. And he's taken it and done it at a lot of different personnel groups. And the other thing Oklahoma's great in their run game is they'll run tempo. They'll run what's known as one-word calls, which means I guarantee that when Lincoln Riley gets to USC, when he's installing his offense for GT counter, they're going to have they're going to have a one-word tempo play for GT counter, whatever it may be. You could say it could be whatever word it would be. You know, it could be Trojan. Trojan, we're the Trojans. Base number one play is counter. When they hear Trojan, they know, okay, we're lining up and we're running GT counter to the right. With And all one word encompasses the formation, the assignments for everybody, what everybody's doing into that one word. And and then that's where you have that's where you have the tempo starts to wear on people. You run counter and inside zone two or three plays in a row. And then what do they do? Play action. Screen yep. game. You know, all the things, all the things that they build in. So all right. So so now we got our we got our run game established. We're down pack. We understand first down, very first play, you'll probably see counter. 
No guarantees. I'm not telling you Lincoln Riley's going to run counter on the first play of the game of next season. So don't come back to say I'm wrong. But we're saying, like, you're established around counter, right? So let's say we're successful. They run counter. We're successful. Second down, most likely you might get inside zone. But me game playing a lot of these people, you get some type of pass concept, right? So right. let's transfer over to the pass game. What what are we going to see pass concept-wise? And And – Kind of take your time and give me some chance. Give me a chance a little bit to explain it behind them so they understand what you're explaining because we can't. We don't have film, so they can't visibly visibly see it. Right. Uh, well, and actually, again, for anybody who really wants to learn the offense, in uh, part of our uh, Texas High School Coaches Association, Lincoln Riley actually did a virtual clinic last year, and I think you can find it for like five or ten bucks. And he talks about their top pass game concepts. It's really good. Um, but, and he actually talked, there's one on YouTube too, Nike Coach of the Year Clinic, Lincoln Riley breaking some of that stuff down. And uh, really, I think you break, Lincoln has, within their pass game, let's talk for a second, big picture. So any type of pass game is broken down into families. You know, and by families, you mean there's concepts that are paired together based on the timing that you throw them with and what you're looking to attack the defense with. So, it really, within Lincoln Riley, I see it. They're going to throw their fair share of, like everyone does, their quick perimeter screens, which are their now screens, which a now screen is just a one-step pitch screen to the outside receiver. And then they're going to throw their bubble screens, which usually means the, the, the slot receiver, whether he's the, the innermost slot, whether he's a number three receiver, you count it from outside in, one, two, three, or their number two receiver, if there's just two, runs just a bubble route. And everyone probably knows what that is, but he's just taking a couple steps back and bubbling at the line of scrimmage. And a lot of times Lincoln will pair that with a run game concept. So that's kind of where you get the very intro to the RPO game. And they'll and a lot of times they'll tell his quarterbacks before the snap, I'm sure they teach it, where if you like the numbers to throw the hit screen or the bubble screen, you're going to throw it. If not, you know, we're going to do our run game concept. And that's, that's a part of what they do. Um, probably not as much as others, but they do do it some. Um, and then you obviously have quick game, which is where really the designs just to get the ball out of their hands quickly. And then you have uh, a drop back game. A drop back means the quarterback's taking three steps from the pocket and routes are usually developing a little bit farther down the field. And then the fourth category, which is where Lincoln's really good at too, is the PAP or boot game. PAP means play action pass. And boot's obviously a, a form of play action. And really that's where they generate explosive plays. All play action is, is whether it's counter, which they've done as good of a job as anyone, or inside zone, the quarterback or get the quarterback will sell hard and and stick it in the back of the stick it in the gut of the back and then he'll pull it out and far, route sort of develop down the field. And then Boot game is nothing more than the same as play action. They're going to sell outside zone. They're going to sell inside zone. And then the quarterback will actually boot out, which means he'll get depth and boot out of the pocket and set up and throw. Um, so let's talk. Hold, hold on, Luke. Hold on, Luke. Before, before, and so you guys are going to hear a lot that Lincoln Riley loves RPO. So you guys got to understand that <clears> – <throat> Play action off the of inside zone, like you said, PAP, any PAP, any type of boot action. Play action off the of inside zone. If if all five men are sitting there blocking, it's not RPO. 
You know what I mean? Because he does not have the option to give the ball. RPO stands for run pass option. It means he has the option to hand the ball off, throw the ball, or keep it. So if you see all five men sitting there blocking, you do not have an RPO scheme. So don't confuse play action and boot pass with RPO. Right. And, and that's that's a good point, Ro. And and to be honest, there are, there are times if you go watch their film where – Probably only Lincoln Riley knows whether the quarterbacks and the people there know whether it's an RPO or play action. And you see that on Sunday, too, when you're watching and the announcer says it's an RPO and it's really just a hard play action, you know, because you can pull a guard and sell hard downhill, but still have it pre-designated that you're going to throw the ball, you know, and it's just part of getting the backers to step up and then normally throw the ball some type behind them. But that, that can occur without them having to read anyone on the RPO. You know, and I say that because you're right, Ro, like there's offensive systems that are much more RPO reliant than, than what Oklahoma does. It's, it's more for them a tool than it is their base. Like, you know, Old Miss, Jeff Levy, who's going to Oklahoma, who is at Old Miss, a lot of their pass game is RPOs. Oklahoma has more of a pass game. You know, they, they have concepts within their pass game. Go ahead and finish on the uh, pass game, and uh, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you're in a groove. So you start, you started, you stopped with boot and sprint pass. Right. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about some actual concepts they run, it, uh, and some of their some of their base ones. So, like we talked about counters, their base run game, right? Really, when I think you talk about Lincoln Riley, and if you'll ask him, they're very open about this. Their number one pass play is what they would call Y cross or why climb and it, it is an air raid play and to take down the basics of the play what what it usually is going to consist of is by the slot receiver or the number two receiver in, a, in the formation is going to run what's known as a, as a cross or a climb route so if there's any initial outside backer he's going to work to get underneath that guy and then he's going to climb over the top of the two inside linebackers and usually end up at a point on the other side of the field, 18 to 22 yards down the field, okay? And then the other receiver on that side usually runs some version of either a post or a post curl. And everyone knows a post route is just when the receiver goes 12 yards and then they tell him break towards the middle of the goalpost. You know, it's, it's the deep home run ball. And then all a post curl is is he goes 12 yards, he breaks towards the goalpost, and then at 15, he's going to shut it down and work back to the quarterback. And, you know, there's some there's some obviously level of debate on whether some people think Lincoln, they teach it where he's going to read the post route. Some people think it where, like, if the safety's way over the top, then I'll shut it down and run a curl. And if he hasn't beat, then I'll run the post. I really don't know because I'm not in the room. Um, and then to the other side of the Y cross, there's any number of things that you can do. But say if it's a two-by-two two formation, which means there's two receivers on either side. You have, say, and say visually, I'll try and be as specific as I can. And, bro, y'all help me out if, I'm, if there's anything I need to add. But say on that side to the left side, the receiver's running a Y cross and he's running a post curl, okay? To the right side, the furthermost outside receiver will run just a vertical route. And then the number two receiver will run from type of five-step speed out or an option route where they give them the option to work either inside or outside based on the leverage of the defender. And 
Here's where the offense that stems from the air raid that Lincoln's put is why I think it's made it very easy. They've generated explosive plays because there's a lot of coaches you'll listen to and talk on clinics who say, well, you know, if it's one high, we're going here. If it's too high, we're looking here. If here, we're going to alert this versus press and that and convert all that. I don't, I think they kind of have uh, simplicity in what they do in terms of saying the progression is not going to change. They're going to know what's called a peak or an alert to the outside receiver running the vertical route, which means if it's C.D. Lamb or D.D. Westbrook matched up on a corner that they like, then they're going to maybe take a shot at it, okay? But if not, then all they're going to do is read the speed out or the option route or whatever you call it by that number one receiver to the Y cross, to the post curl, to the back flaring out of the backfield. And that's really how they're going to read it. And it's, it's very progression. I, I believe that one of the things they do that makes them is they get so many reps at that exact same progression. One, two, three, four. And even though one and two, like, don't get it confused, they're going to try and hit the Y cross as much as they can. So that's really one of their base. And if they ran it out of a three-by-one formation, the only difference would be the number three guy usually is running the Y cross. Then the number two guy on that side is running the flat. And number three would be running the post curl. And then normally you'd have a flare route by the back to the to the single receiver side. And the single receiver can run a fade, run a vertical, or they can tag him on a post. You know, and that's that's really one of their key key progressions. And while it is a part of the drop back game, the beautiful thing about Y Cross and the way that Lincoln Riley runs it is it's also a big part of their play action game because where's Y Cross trying to attack, bro? The middle of the field. The middle of the field, right? So if you're getting a lot of heavy, stick the ball in the back's gut, you're going to get what? Backers step up. Yep. You'll see them hit a lot of stuff over the middle. Throw it off his ear, as I would tell as I would tell people. Quarterback right. trying to throw it right off the backer's ear. And then when the safeties begin to play up, then you hit your post over the top. Or if they have the if it's if it's two safeties, and say the safety opposite the Y cross is going to hunt or play the crosser, like Roe knows, you probably can teach safeties to do that. Then you get chances for what's the what's the best receiver that came with them? Williams. Then you get chances for Williams to Williams for big gains on the vertical route, you know, and they can tag can tag any number of route combinations on the first read in the Y cross. Like, you know, you say Oklahoma run. I said they run a lot of now screens, right, where they'll run a one step hitch to the outside and the slot receiver would go block the corner. Well, another concept they'll do is they'll run a one step hitch and then they'll go stutter at the corner and run a wheel route off that. And then that's their number one. And now they just read it what? Stutter to Y cross to post curl to back in the flat. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. Are we going to get a lot of slot fade out of Lincoln Riley? Yes, you will. And that's so actually, if, that's actually I, oh, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. So if people don't understand, um, slot fade is a defensive nightmare. I don't care who, who it is or who you're dealing with, from Belichick all the way down to – the top NAIA def- defensive coordinator, slot fate is a nightmare to defend because of the way it works. Luke will explain it more, but slot fate is going to be a big play for SC because they have <clears throat> they have some good receivers coming in, and they have some guys that are already there. 
Plus, I think what they get with Rice, they he's a big, he'll be a big slot fade guy. So, Luke, go ahead and explain slot fade before we move on to the next subject. Right, and slot fade is actually another another uh, tag they can do with Y cross. They'll go slot fade to one side and Y cross to the other. So, what I just described first is I, that's just known as a fade out concept, and and that's one of the most universally used concepts at all three levels. Right, a fade by the number one receiver and an out by the number two. Okay, another, and the reads usually the cornerback. Another common theme and, and concept that people love to use is something known as smash. And smash means there's usually some type of high low on a cornerback, which means if the corner drops, we're going to throw it here. If the corner, if the corner uh, uh, doesn't drop, if he just kind of shuffles his feet, we're going to throw over the top of them. And give credit to the Smash creator. You got to give credit to the Smash creator, Gary. Come on now. Who created Smash? Who created Smash? Um, come on, come on, come on. I do not know who created The ball Smash. coach. The old ball coach created Smash. Steve Spurrier, Florida. Oh. <laughs> old ball coach. I haven't heard that name in a while. The ball coach created Smash. See, because he was getting a lot of too hot shell, and yeah. then because of cover two, and then mm -hmm. that's when they started running Smash with Danny Warfel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, either. So anyway, smash is just a hitch route with a corner route. So another pairing that people kind of came up with is they'll run this. They'll run the same hitch route by number one, but then they'll instead of maybe running a corner route, maybe they like the leverage of the safety, or they're getting some type of man coverage, and your slot receiver is usually your fastest guy. He'll run what's known an inside fade, which means his first three or four steps are going to be vertical hard off the line, and then he's going to end up drifting to the same spot where the outside receiver would be, which is 22 to 25 yards down the field on the numbers to the sideline. And you leave the sideline for the quarterback to throw you over. And what it does is it creates tremendous stress, like Rose said, on the, key, on the field safety, and that's a lot of ground to go cover, and you're getting a faster defender doing it. And on top of that, if he knows he's matched up on the safety – He'll stem at the safety, maybe even stutter inside for a second, and then work off of it. And if you get middle field open cover, or middle field closed, which is what's known as when you get one safety, what they're known to do too, and Oklahoma will do it, is they'll just run slot fade on both sides. And then it turns into, if you get middle field closed, what the answer forever was to run four verticals, right? But what defense has got good at, Nick Saban and all them, is they start – matching it now you place your slot receivers where your outside guys are and you get better matchups for those guys and what it also does is sometimes if they're reading the cornerback it can turn into a little bit of a rub route and that's a lot of room for this safety in the middle of the field to cover either side right a lot of field for him to have to cover and if the corners end up sinking then you bang it on the hitch on either side so what another way that lincoln riley loves to run slot fade is another key air raid concept that you see all over the place is something known as Y stick. And at a three by one, Y stick has been run in the NFL and college for decades. The outside number one receiver usually has a protect go or a fade. The number two receiver has a flat route or a speed out. And then the number three has a stick route. And versus man coverage, he can break out like an out route. And versus zone coverage, he's going to sit it down, and the quarterback is going to ID the linebacker. All right? Right there. OK? 
Okay, and all it does, if he widens, excuse me, if he widens, then he'll throw the stick. If he plays the stick, then they'll throw the throw the out route. So let me let me hold on real fast. Okay. So let me break that down from a defensive perspective. I'm I'm not going to say nine times out of ten, but <clears throat> most likely, would you agree, Luke? About seven times out of ten, anytime you get any type of three by one set, you're going to get three guys on three guys, and you're going to get a one high look. You very unless you get guys like Van Campbell, where you see the three high safeties, and you really don't have to see that because you got the help from yeah. up top. But most likely, you'll see three. Now, when you run wide stick. A guy has flat, most likely they're in thirds. They're playing a third. They're playing a flat. They're playing a curl. Now you're holding – now you're making, you're making it hard on the flat player who nine times out of ten, if they are doing that, is between the corner and that outside backer. He has flats. You're running two outs at the flat. You hold the hook, and it makes the decision really, really easy for Williams. He's either going to throw the, the far out by number two or he's going to throw the one right there in that hole by number three, which – what you see Gronk eat a lot on. So when you see Gronk just sitting up there, that's why I stick. He knows that I don't need to run anymore. I'm sitting in the hole, catch, get as many yards as I can, and get attacked. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead, Luke. Nope. You're right. You're 100%. So what teams also started doing is they start saying, hey, they do one of two things. They'll either just go man coverage on the entire trip side, which means they'll put three over three, and then that kind of makes the play dead. Because the speed out and the go, if you don't like your matchup and you match the stick, then you don't have a numbers advantage, right? They Correct. would do that. Or, again, they'd keep their safety high and they'd play the, they'd play the backer or your flat player would jump the sticks and they'll jump the corner on the speed out. And they'll have the corner play what's known as cloud coverage. And, they, and it's cloudy because they call it cloud because I don't know why they call it cloud. Probably because it makes it cloudy for the quarterback. So what does well, Lincoln like, Riley do? Yeah. And Lincoln Riley is not the only one. Sean Payton for the New Orleans Saints does a great job with this concept as well. But they just run slot fade for out of that stick concept. So the Y still runs the stick or the hitch or whatever. But now the number two will run a will run the slot fade. Okay. And the number one receiver ends up running the hitch route. And that way, if you get man coverage, which is always tough versus Y stick. Or if you know you're getting some type of man match coverage, now you have your answer where? You have your answer to the slot fade there. Or if you're seeing the corner is jumping, the corner's jumping the out route a lot, okay, the corner's playing cloud, then you hold him in the flats with the hitch, and again you work that side pocket window with your, fa with your slot fade. Long story short, long story short, you're going to see a lot of slot fade out of Mario Williams this season up the sideline. Yeah. That's going to be a big money play. So, I mean, that was great, great detail. That's not, that's that's what you're going to see a lot of, and that's just like what you say, meat and potatoes. Head says go down. That's what we're going to call. Um, so moving on, right, Lincoln Riley, like I said, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, uh, Jalen Hurts, right? Um, he's had a lot of quarterbacks come through and a lot of quarterbacks be successful. The current Trojan quarterback, Caleb Williams, has had a successful season on not a full season, came in game four. Um, so the the evolution adapting a quarterback as a college coach is, is one of the best things you can ever do. Explain to us how he's able to put his quarterback in the best situation possible to put his team in the best situation. Right. Let me start with the big picture. So outside of just quarterbacks, I think Lincoln Riley has 
job of what his offenses have adapted. Their schemes, whether, you know, counter, wide cross, they run a lot of mesh, inside zone, those aren't going to change. But the places where he puts guys will. So, like, to give you an example, it's not just the quarterback that he's put in he's put in advantageous situations. Okay, he plays his best players. Like there's a year there was a year uh, when Baker Mayfield was there. Two of their best players is a guy by the name of Dimitri Flowers and a guy by the name of Mark Andrews. They're both more pseudo tight end H back type guys. Back Mark Andrews is still playing in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens. So Lincoln Riley that year, their base was either twelve or twenty one personnel. And then they'd get in and were able to run all their same stuff. And then they get into looks that look like 11 personnel, which would mean you have three running back, three receivers and a tight end. But really it was one of those guys who was the tight end getting a matchup on a, on a slot corner or on a safety or something and utilizing a bigger body. Or they'd get into 10 personnel looks, and now you have both those guys. So now you're making a defense that maybe is based to defend 12 personnel, defend 10 personnel within the same personnel. So he's going to – bottom line is he's going to use his best players. And none of them are evident than how he uses the quarterbacks. So really when I go back and look at players who played for Lincoln Riley, I'm going to tell you about really five guys, okay? Let's start back – and I remember because I remember watching. Let's start back with a guy by the name of Shane Carden. He was actually Lincoln Riley's quarterback at Eastern Carolina. So anybody out there who's still holding on to NCAA 14 – you want to go play with a fun offense, go play with East Carolina. I'm sure he was their impact player, and it's still Lincoln Riley's playbook. Uh, it was probably more of a form of, of the air raid than you'll see with some of these other guys. Shane Carden didn't have as big of an arm, but he was a great passer. And they threw a ton of Y stick, a ton of fade out, a ton of shallow, a ton of mesh, and then inside zone was their base read, right? And they really based that year, they had great tempo, and they got the ball out of their hands fast. So fast forward, Lincoln Riley does a great job with him. And then we get Baker, right? And Baker's Lincoln's first quarterback in Oklahoma. And Baker's where you see they begin to use GT counter. They have Andrews. They have Flowers. They have D.D. Westbrook. And probably Baker's best strength, I think, of these guys that we'll talk about, really in college, Baker was a tremendous operator. And all these guys have different things they do well, but – Baker was really good, again, at getting the ball out of his hands quick, being able to read one guy. So it's where you see a number of the RPOs that he began using and a number of the pop RPOs, okay? And if you want, I can explain that real fast. Go ahead. Baker. Go ahead, real quick. So say they're running counter, okay? And that guy that we talked about, who's their other fullback, he's normally going to wrap or he's going to arc, okay? And he's going to go block a backer. Well, now – either with an RPO or they could just sell hard play action, he's going to show fake at that backer and arc to the next level. And Baker hit a lot of those. In fact, there's two or three plays when they played Ohio State one year, the time that Baker stepped the flag in the middle of Columbus, where they hit three or four big pop RPOs. Uh, And then on top of that, he used a lot of the boot game with Baker, and they hit big play action shots. And really, I mean, it was probably extensive, as extensive as a drop back game used a lot of shallow, wide cross, hit deep shots, right, and, and play action. So that was with Baker, okay? And they were also great at running tempo. But now you have – and Baker won the Heisman. And, and then you have Kyler Murray. 
when Kyler gets in there, Kyler's a different kind of talent. Like all these guys do a few things differently. And Kyler, obviously, you, you know, he's known for improvisation and playing off the playing off playing off the things. I think all these quarterbacks at OU did that too. But Kyler is also incredibly fast. Fastest guy on the field a lot of times in college. So what Lincoln did is he utilized the quarterback in the run game, but not as much of getting Kyler running downhill, right? But it was a lot more of Kyler on the edge, right? So they used speed option more. They probably used more zone read where they're just telling Kyler, hey, dude, if you can beat that, if you can beat him to the edge, go, get there, you know? And it's also where you see the first evolution of, of draws, a lot more quarterback draws, spreading the team out empty. And the minute that Kyler sees backers dropping, then he just takes off. And that's where you see a lot of the big explosive plays. Um, so obviously, you, you, and under Kyler, they ran a lot of mesh. And Kyler was still a very accurate passer. So he, they still had a lot of success in the pass game. But Lincoln did a great job utilizing him with his legs, right? And really his speed. Yeah, he's, you know, um, and, and then – and then we go, and, and obviously Kyler wins the Heisman, a number, another number one overall pick. And then we have Jalen Hurts transfers in from Alabama. And really, where Baker and Kyler were phenomenal is they had the arm to make every throw. And for college, they were very accurate and very good operators of the game, which means they got the offense into the right stuff. Now, Jalen Hurts, I'm not here to, to really talk down on Jalen Hurts because I think every year the guys played, he's gotten better as a passer. But naturally, he's more limited than the other two guys. So what Lincoln does is he tweaks his offense, and instead now you see the quarterback involved in more power run game stuff. I'll say a lot of power read. They ran a lot of power read with Jay Ryan. What they ran, what I have here is they ran power read, okay? They ran bash counter, which means now you're going to have and again, part of running counter and what he's good at is he protects his counter a ton of different ways. So if they run bash is they'd read the backside defensive end. You'd have a Y or another back arc, and then the running back's running sweet to that side, and then the quarterback's reading the end. And if he heel line chases the counter, like a lot of good DNs are going to be taught to do, then, the, then he hands off on the sweep. But if he sits or he takes the sweep or widens, then they're running quarterback GT counter. And Jalen's more of a power runner, so he's good running between tackles. You know, he did as good of a job. Like, they'd get in and just run trips, and they bubble, and Jalen would take two steps back, and if he liked the bubble, he's going to throw it. If not, they're going to run quarterback ISO or quarterback lead backside. And so he evolved and used the quarterback in the run game more, and then a lot more of the heavy boot stuff. Still, they're going to pull a guard or pull two guards, and then he'll set up on the tackle or right outside the tackle and have a hitch route and have a crosser from there. So it was less drop back pass. Still some, but more reliance on that, and then quarterback draw. They beat Baylor one, one year using quarterback draw where it turned into an RPO. They'd get in trips, and the backside receiver would run a shallow route, like Roe talks about, or you've probably seen it before, Roe. And then the number three, the three trips receivers would block, and it would be a screen to the shallow, to the X receiver running a shallow route. And then the back would lead on the backside, and they'd read the play side mic. And if he cuts the, if he cuts the will, then they would end up, if he cut the will, then he'd end up running a, he'd end up running a, uh, he'd end up running quarterback draw. So those were, those were some big plays that he did, some things that he did. 
uh, with his quarterbacks. And then finally, I'm sure what we're all waiting for, y'all want to hear about Caleb Williams, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Caleb so tell us what he did with Caleb Williams and what's the difference. So his last quarterback, let's, let's do this. His last quarterback was Spencer Rattler, right? So Spencer Rattler was going from, went from Highland, Heisman candidate to Caleb Williams playing. But let's talk about Spencer's Rat, Spencer Rattler's Heisman candidate year, I guess you say, so the year prior to Caleb Williams coming and taking the spot. Let's talk about the year prior to that, what Lincoln Riley did with Spencer Rattler, and then let's talk about what he did with Caleb Williams his freshman year at Oklahoma. Right. Well, I think Spencer Rattler was – I mean, he had a good he had a good freshman year too. And, you he know, did. You know, and they did a lot of the similar stuff I think they did with Kyler and Baker. Uh, the one thing was, and you saw as it kind of – leaked its way through even into the next year. Spencer Rattler always struggled as a little bit as a decision maker. Like Baker and Kyler and Jalen, they were all pretty good in their own ways of taking care of the football and improvising, but improvising with an air of caution. You know, I just don't think that Spencer was nearly as good of an operator as those other three guys were. And that's eventually where the downfall was. You know, he was throwing a lot of interceptions and they just, he wasn't keeping the team on pace very well. So then you enter Caleb Williams. Unless y'all got any other questions about Spencer. Uh, no, come on. You're good. Okay, we got Caleb Williams. And I think Caleb Williams now, we talked about what is Kyler. Kyler has a great arm, gets to the edge a lot, is a good runner as a quarterback. And then Jalen Hurts is more of a between-the-tackles power runner. And then I think with Caleb Williams, you have a guy who is the best of both. He's a good operator like Baker. I mean, thank you. did a lot of this as a true freshman, right? He's a good runner like Jalen between the tackles. And then when he gets out on the edge, he's very dangerous as well. Like I remember one game they played Kansas and twice on fourth and short. They run one time they run quarterback counter. Another time I think they just run zone read and he keeps it. And twice he breaks off 40 yard touchdown runs <laughs> and they end up winning the game. So I, I don't think that a lot of the pass game necessarily changed, but he kind of gives you the complete package to do a lot in the run game. And then he can obviously make any throw that he wants to. Definitely, that, that's great. So, I mean, I mean, we I, to me, like I said, like I said in the broadcast previously, like it's a great pick. I love the pick that that SC went with, right? He's not going, he's not going to turn, he's not going to turn it overnight, right? But he has the ability now, I think, to go from at least being a contender and playing in the Pac-12 championship. With, I mean, he has both Williams coming from Oklahoma. He's picked up some good linebackers where they struggling, where they were struggling on defense. That's grad transfer. So what he did in the recruiting class is great. But the key thing is that you have your quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. The most important player on the field is your quarterback, and you have your quarterback, and it makes everything a lot greater. Um, so let's get it rolling here. Let's let's keep this thing rolling. We're in a flow. I love it. My man, G. Dell's fired up. He loves talking to Lincoln Riley. So let's talk about the strengths and weaknesses that we're going to see, and then we'll we'll be able to let you guys go on your way. Sure. Well, I think we laid out the strengths. You know, it's a system that's going to be – players aren't going to have a time. It's a system that relies on a lot of reps. Um, they, they do a great job with tempo. It's going to fit well to whatever the quarterback does well. Like, you, whatever – you know, you'll see them adapt with what they've done. They're going to give the quarterback a lot of easy throws. Not just hitches, but like slip screens, flare screens, get them involved in the run game, have a good share of quick game, and then a number of pass concepts that they feel can beat any coverage, right? We talked about Y cross, 
four verticals, uh, some the shallow sting, uh, shallow sting screen series, all that stuff. Right. Um, and then there, obviously, I, I think you'll see, like we talked about, an, an emphasis being placed on the run game, which I know y'all y'all had an air raid coordinator the past two years, and I can assure you it's not going to be the same thing as, as what y'all saw under Graham Harrell. Like, I think you're going to see a guy that's committed to using multiple personnels, multiple formations, and a number of different running schemes that are going to be downhill and be physical and pair that with tempo and play action. Um but if we want to get into weaknesses, again, there's not a ton. Like his offensive, his offensive resume has, I think, shined very strongly. Um, but let's talk about a few. Um, and again, this is just from from just observing. I'm not by any means sitting here saying Lincoln Riley is bad at what he does. Just there have been at times where you could see the pass game has become stale. And like the only problem when you have a limited number of concepts is when teams are doing a good job of matching those concepts and you can't get into as many tags and variations possibly, then at times you can become a little stale in the pass game. And that is one of the criticisms of the area, that teams can kind of match and know what their routes are. Uh, obviously, that could that could possibly be one. And then uh, the other thing is like when you stop the run and you turn, you turn that offense into a true drop-back pass offense, I don't think they're. I don't think that's really the world they ever want to live in. I don't think that's their their strength by any means. So like while he has some good pass game, they operate so well when their run games when their run games really rolling and they're rolling with tempo. Not like third and ten got to have it. They're going to struggle a little bit, you know. Which anybody will, especially in college football. There aren't that many truly good passing offenses. If you're getting if you're getting first downs consistently on third and ten, that means you're a thousand times better than the team you're playing. You're most yeah. likely going to win. Well, and yeah. obviously, obviously that was another weakness, which I know it. You know, it probably sounds really simple, but in terms of the pass game, you know, that's a system that's designed on their guys winning in space. You know, it is like you, whenever they've been matched up with some really good defensive lines when they've played some of the SEC teams when they played LSU they've struggled a little bit, you know? And then there's only one guy that I've seen out of really three years of, of his time at, at Oklahoma in the Big 12 that had any semblance of consistency of success about him, and that would be Dave Aranda. You know, he held Oklahoma to their lowest scoring output of the year in 2020 when Baylor was only 2-7. and seven. And then this year in 2021, he holds Oklahoma to their lowest scoring output, I think in five years, 13 points. And then, obviously, he's the defense coordinator of the year at LSU when they held Oklahoma to 28 points um, on LSU's national title run. But looking more at some things that I just jotted down when I, I watched those games and went back and looked at what they did well, okay, Baylor operated a lot from split safety looks. And what that allowed them to do is on either side, with the counter stuff, they were able to, uh, they were able to gain a plus one in the run game with their safety. You know, when they played counter – like I talked earlier, they'd box counter or they'd spill counter and they'd spill it all the way out to their safety and their safety would make a great play going downhill, right? Um, so they had a plus one on either side. They played with tremendous amount of speed. Their defensive line was able to get after get after up front and really win the, win the, win the line of scrimmage, not allow a ton of yardage in the run game. Right? And they were able to get Oklahoma into a lot of third and long and situations that weren't very advantageous to them. So, uh, and again, they played with a ton of speed. 
They disguise different looks. Dave Aranda is one of the best too at what's known as creating simulated pressures, which means it looks like a blitz, but it's really only four guys coming. So like out of a three down look, they may send two down linemen and the jack outside linebacker and a mic backer and drop one D lineman. And it looks like pressure, but you still have seven guys in coverage or sometimes eight guys in coverage. If you get in a three man front and drop a D lineman and bring a jack backer and it looks to them like it's a blitz, but it's really not. So the thing that happened though is Baylor also got into the, and they've been good about this all year. They didn't, they were able to, to line up the tempo. Part of what tempo is so good is because you're going faster than the defense can get set up, right? Well, Baylor does a great job of sitting in their shell. Their safeties know where they're at. They have really good checks, and they were able to check into simulated pressures and stuff and even out of tempo, and they did a great job with that. So other than that, though, <laughs> had a lot of success against most teams. So, Hey, I mean, I mean that was great. You got, any, you got anything for him, Phil? You got any questions? Uh, yes. Hey, so you went through some of the differences of all the quarterbacks that uh, Lincoln Riley has had, and we 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 quickly glossed over Spencer Rattler. Now he, you said that he had a great year, and then suddenly started struggling with his decisions making, and wasn't the greatest operator. What what? Uh, how did they particularly tailor the offense to him? Uh. I think I think that first year it looked like they they kind of obviously again some of the you're talking about his freshman year how they tailored it to him right yeah I mean I think again they ran the ball well that year they ran the ball mm-hmm. well they gave him a lot of easy throws they and then he was able one thing he was able to do that year is get outside the pocket and create and I thought he did a good job that year of getting outside the pocket finding guys deeper down the field finding guys on the sidelines and extending plays, you know. And then next year, I don't know that the process or thinking necessarily changed. I just think now he's getting out of the pocket and making bad throws. And when, and they did struggle to run the ball a little bit early on with, with Spencer, maybe because he wasn't – I mean, I don't want to say he wasn't a run threat, but not nothing like Caleb Williams, you know. So maybe that was part of it is defenses were able to sit back a little bit more and sit in coverage and – and then he just started – he started pressing and forcing stuff a little bit. Uh, you know, specific examples, I, I'm, I'm sure I could go back and look. I think I think they did a good job that, that year, if I remember, of, again, just giving him a lot of easy stuff, probably treating him like a freshman where they knew, okay, we're going to have to simplify the game a little bit more for him, right, and, and give him some easier throws and give him some stuff that maybe isn't going to put a lot on his plate. And then – as the progression goes, usually you expect the next year you take that next step and you get a little bit more complex and add more stuff. And maybe he's, it looks like maybe he struggled a little bit to, to grasp maybe the next development there too. So how do you see, how do you see this particular style of offense translating to the PAC 12? I don't, I mean, I don't see it being, I see him having a lot of success with it. Number one, because I think, he does the best, as good of a job as anyone, excuse me, of putting his athletes in space and allowing them to be successful in space. And for the most part, looking at like how he's recruiting now and what you'll get at USC, you're going to get, should get the best athletes in the Pac-12. There's no reason why they're not going to have a ton of personnel mismatches that they'll be able to, they'll be able to exploit. Um, what, what I do see as being like, 
Roe touched on it a little bit earlier. One thing I do want to see them answer is like they're going to face, I think, some pretty good defensive lines in the Pac-12. They're going to face Utah. They're going to face um, Oregon. They're going to face some teams that are going to be big up front. Stanford. Stanford's always big up front. Right. So how are they going to tailor that? Like, I mean, like the Big 12 for a lot of Lincoln's tenure was known as just an offensive league and very wide open. And they didn't get the best defensive players. Now that narrative shifted the past couple of years where you had some good defenses like Baylor and Iowa State and Oklahoma State this past year. Uh, but really, I see them doing really well in the Pac-12. I mean, I think I – think, uh, and it's shown like those type of offenses can be really successful. Look at Chip Kelly's run at, at Oregon. Like when, when they had it rolling and they had the best athletes in the conference – they were, they were practically unstoppable for a few years. And the key thing is you don't have to answer the question of who the quarterback's going to be. You know that going in. And then, like, in a few years, once they really get it rolling and they get a, a ton of skill talent in there and, and offensive linemen in there, then they'll really roll on offense. This is, this is what I – I'm going to wrap it up here. This is what I do think we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of big plays which is going to be really exciting. And it's not going to be a lot of big plays in the air. We're going to see a lot of big plays. We're going to see a lot of big plays on the ground. I think die is going to break out a lot because I think they're able to, I think because they did bring in two offense alignment and we're going to see a lot of big plays on the ground, which creates, like you said, Luke, a lot of soft fade. You're going to see a lot of the wide cross and, um, it's going to get us excited, but it's not quite there yet. And I'm I'm kind of sitting there with Essie right now because it's not going to happen overnight. It's not there yet. But we're going to see a lot of good of what we're going to see in the future, which is going to make that which is going to lay the foundation for the Trojans to be to be a successful offensive team. I mean, you have the NIL now where you can make money. What better place to make money than Los Angeles, California? What better place to live with all the weather, right? I could be on a billboard in Hollywood where all the celebrities see me. I could be on a billboard in downtown L.A. next to the Staples Center. It could be a Kobe Ryan mural, a billboard of me as a USC Trojan, and a billboard of LeBron James all in one area, and I get paid for it, right? And with that leading into it, you're going to see a lot of explosive offense this year. Now, on the flip side, we'll talk about this at a later date. The defense has to get a lot better, a whole lot better. But we're going to see points this year. I have no doubts we won't see points. And I'm going to keep reiterating on this. And anybody who doesn't believe me, they'll have to prove me wrong because I'm 100% certain about this. You bringing in a quarterback that already knows the system already puts you at least 10 steps ahead because you're not learning anything new. So SC's already ahead. They're going in the spring like that. They're not going in the spring teaching. They're going in the spring getting better. Right now, the receivers and everybody who hasn't been there, who hasn't been in the system, they have to learn it. But you also have Mario Williams, who already knows the system, who's a big time playmaker. So that's already a plus. So now we're plus two on the rest of the conference. Compared to the rest of the nation, not yet. But eventually we'll get there. We just have to give us some time. I have no doubt in this offense. And I've always said it before I love the hire. You guys got anything else before we close this out? <clears throat> go ahead, G Dub. I'll wait. I'll go last. Okay. No, uh, good point, bro. Uh, and and by that, I like. I do think they're gonna. I do think they'll be successful. That doesn't mean that like ground one day one there won't be there won't be struggles. Like you know, right? Right. Walked into 
Lincoln walked into a little different situation at Oklahoma. Like he inherited a team that was nine and four the year before they got there and had a, had some offensive struggles, which is why Bob Stoops brought him in who actually the guy who he brought him in for replaced is uh, Josh Heifel. Now the, the head coach at Tennessee, but um, there was a lot of pieces and talent already in place. Right. And I'm not saying that USC doesn't have talent. I obviously don't know as nearly as much about the roster as y'all two guys do. Uh, I just know that anytime you install a system that there will be some growing pains early on, but, but eventually like they'll get there and, and you'll probably see a lot of growth from the start of the year to where they click towards the end of the year and how they look when they really, really, really develop their identity. Uh, but part of it will be as they get more players in there, like you said, and they get playmakers and not just receivers. I mean, as they get offensive linemen in there, like the other thing Lincoln Riley does is he went out there and he he has connections in a pipeline in California, all right? But now he also has a pipeline back into Texas that he can pull from and get linemen and get skill guys too. So he gets the best of both worlds in recruiting too. I will say this, Gary. When, when Lincoln got the job at Oklahoma, he was given a GMC top of the line UConn. All the bells and whistles, you know what I mean? Getting the job at SC, he's getting more of the lower grade Tahoe. Same thing, same company, just not as good, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, like under Bob Stoops, like a defensive guy, Oklahoma had some really good offenses. Mm-hmm. And the, those past couple years, what led to Heupel and, and Jay Norvell, eventually being dismissed, was they just felt that they got stagnant. And, and he wanted to change back to what he always liked, which Bob Stoops wanted to throw the ball and run the air raid. I mean, his first offensive coordinator at Oklahoma was Mike Leach, who ended up was at Texas Tech, who coached Lincoln Riley. So you see full circle. But um, so, yeah, th- there will be some more growing pains. Uh, there absolutely will be some growing pains. I, I, I expect it to be that way. Bringing in Mike Mario Williams, bringing in Caleb Williams gives them a, a unique leg up over their competition just because they're simply that much better. I expect that USC will, like you, like previous gentlemen have stated, have some type of learning curve and adjustment process, but I believe that the Pac-12 conference in itself is currently soft enough for them to be able to absorb absorb it with virtually no issues uh i I think that towards the end of the year is when you'll start to take see them take off really take off and i expect them to win the pac-12 south and i expect them to probably get close to challenging utah i really don't see even with even where their roster is now with the transfer portal i really don't see too many tough games outside of oregon utah Stanford and maybe Oregon State for them to have to try for them to have to really dig deep or come up with something special. The rest of these games they should be able to win based off of talent alone. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Yeah. So I mean, put it so put it all. I mean, if we're gonna wrap it all up and put it in one bow, right? We're gonna see an explosive offense this year. We're gonna see what I like to call strategically is strategically safe but very aggressive offense with a lot of big plays and if you watch Lincoln Riley it doesn't happen right away when you watch it he kind of progresses into it the next thing you know it's a big play so don't expect the big play play two right if that happens it happens to counter got out or things like that but like 
with the portal, with Sanders, with Williams, right, with with Travis Dye coming in. Everything is set up for them to be a competitive team this year, which I think is the goal. The championship run starts next year. So there's no reason for us to panic right now. Like I stated before, don't put all your chips in, but we are in a good situation. But with that, uh, uh, on on regards to Phil, G-Dub, I thank you for uh, uh, taking your time out with us and uh, talking over Lincoln Riley offense. Uh, We'll see you guys next time. As always, go ahead. Let's say one more thing. Just, just for anyone who wants to look at some of this on their own and not take my word for it, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a few shout outs to people or things that I learned from. Because I didn't just come all this by me watching Oklahoma's offense. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube called Coach's Caviar. It's actually Mark Kelly. Um, if you just YouTube Coach's Caviar, he has about three years worth of Lincoln Riley breakdowns and their top plays from every single week and what they do. And it's where I saw a lot of these from. Um, as well as Lincoln Riley, listening to him speak at THSCA, our high school coaches association. And then there's another great video of him on YouTube at a Nike Coach of the Year clinic talking. Um, there's a number of different articles I read from, from different sites, like OU's fan site, that gives good insight on the stuff as well. So uh, not just for me. There's a bunch of people out there probably more knowledgeable than myself about the offense. Yeah, so that wraps it up. Always Trojan fans, we're almost there. Don't get impatient. It's going to take some time. Uh, For now, we'll see you guys next time. Live free, excuse me, live strong, fight on.